Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. Today is VBPH Sunday, where we feature a message that was recently preached from the pulpit of our church here in Virginia Beach, Virginia. You'll hear from Pastor Adam Dragoon and any other visiting preachers who have come through our church. Make sure to subscribe from wherever you're listening to continue hearing life-changing messages. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. Amen. Thank you so much this morning. We appreciate your generosity. Thank you to our children's church workers who prepared a great lesson lesson for our kids today. And it is my great privilege and distinct honor to stand behind this pulpit and to speak on behalf of the Word of God today. My prayer is that you would hear something that would inspire you and draw you closer to the Lord. And the good, uh, the thing that uh, preachers are supposed to be doing is to uh, comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. And I pray that uh, whichever category you're in, uh, that you would receive that today. Let's open up our Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Amen. A great scripture, one that is uh, lacking in multitude of words, but not in the multitude of power and potency for the kingdom of God. And so 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, pray for me that I can get through a whole sermon without losing my ability to speak. Hallelujah. Uh, but I want to, uh, what if I told you that there was a, a new medication just approved by the FDA? And let's just say that this medication was called Great Lifex. And uh, this, uh, this new medication, if you were able to acquire such a prescription from your doctor, that it would be proven to cause the following effects in your life. It would guarantee that you have more optimism, better feelings, better sleep, less fatigue, less physical inflammation, better exercise habits, fewer visits to the doctor, improved marriage, improved communication between family or spouses, and if you're a boss, it will motivate your employees to work harder. This is my advertisement for the new drug, Great Lifex. And if you are a pessimist, you would say, that's impossible. There's no such pill. Too good to be true. Not a real thing. This is fantasy. If you're an optimist, you would say, where do I sign? I am willing to empty my bank account today to get my hands on such a pill. Did you hear all of the good effects that it would cause? Well, what if I told you that Great Lifex is not a pill that you have to take with water twice a day? Great Lifex is actually something that you can all practice today that will immediately improve your life and your future. And it's a, it's a prescription that was given not by me, but by the Word of God for the last many thousands of years. And that we often are punishing our own selves by not taking Great Lifex on a daily basis. This uh, article came from the Harvard Medical School. The title is, Giving Thanks Can Make You Happy 
Who knew? August 14, last year. Every holiday season comes with high expectations for a cozy and festive time of year. However, for many, this time of year is tinged with sadness, anxiety, or depression. Certainly major depression or severe anxiety disorder benefits most from professional help. But what about those who just feel lost or overwhelmed or down during this time of year? And I just pause there for one second to reflect that that is true. That for the holiday season, you know, brings extreme joy and peace in our homes. And for a lot of us, it's, it's the best time of the year. But there is that reality that there's people in our community and in our workplaces uh, that this is a really hard time of year to go through. And that we as God's people, we should be sensitive to that. That we should be on the lookout for people who are experiencing these kinds of things. Sadness, anxiety, depression, especially for, for people who have lost loved ones. In the last couple of years, it's a hard time to go through life uh, living without people that have passed away. And so uh, this article goes on to say that research suggests one aspect of the Thanksgiving season can actually lift the spirits. And it's built right into the holiday. Not turkey. It is gratitude. (laughs) The word gratitude comes from the Latin gratia, which means grace, graciousness, or gratefulness. And in some ways, gratitude encompasses all of these meanings. They go on to share the results of their research. Uh, Gratitude is strongly and consistently associated with greater levels of happiness. Gratitude helps people feel more positive, to relish good experiences, to improve their health, to deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Two psychologists, Robert Emmons of the University of California and Michael McCullough, of University of Miami, have done much on the research of gratitude. They asked all participants to write a few sentences each week, focusing on particular topics. Listen to this. One group of their subjects wrote about things they were grateful for, things that had occurred during the week. They had a second study group who instead wrote about daily irritations or things that displeased them And uh, the third group, a control group, who wrote about events events that had affected them without emphasis of being positive or negative. After 10 weeks of this practice, one group writing about good things that had happened in their life, another group writing about their daily irritations every day, and a third group uh, that is a control group, uh, which one do you think ended up better off? Is Is it obvious by now? After 10 weeks, those who wrote about gratitude were more optimistic, and felt better about their lives. Surprisingly, they also exercised more, had fewer visits to their physicians, and had less sources of aggravation in their lives. Unbelievable. Uh, Another doctor, another psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania, tested the impact of various psychology interventions on 411 people each compared with a control assignment, when their week's assignment was to write and personally deliver a letter of gratitude to someone who had never been properly thanked for his or her kindness. Participants immediately exhibited a huge increase in the scores of happiness. This impact was greater than that of any other intervention, including medical or psychological intervention. You could save a lot of money on a therapist if you just wrote a letter of gratitude. 
Studies as this, of course, cannot cause, cannot prove cause and effect, but it can prove an association between gratitude and an individual's well-being. If that's all that you heard this morning, I pray that you would take that away. That expressing gratitude has a powerful effect on your life. And that's why I'm so grateful for this time of year (coughs) where it is built in to the holiday that we're about to celebrate. It's called Thanksgiving. We're not just getting together for football or turkey or gravy or candied yams. All those things are great. There's a reason that we are celebrating Thanksgiving. And it should be more than just getting together with people we love more than just watching a game, more than just stuffing ourselves until we can't see straight. It should be for the reason of giving thanks. And my challenge for you today is to complete the will of God. Complete the will of God, which is to give thanks. Let's read this scripture together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Join me there. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Don't you love it? So simple, so profound, and so helpful. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. Lord, give me strength, God, in my lungs right now to be able to preach this word today. I'm praying, God, that your people would be able to hear, God, not only with their ears, but with their hearts, God, that we would apply these words to our lives. We walk away from this service today, God, with a, with a commitment of heart, God, to be consciously more grateful uh, toward those people in our lives and, those, and t- even toward you. We're praying, God, give us a week of gratitude and let it be a trend that continues for the rest of our lives. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say... Amen. So this is a message I've titled, The Will of God, RPT. Because what we find in our scripture is the notorious RPT. Rejoice, pray, thank. This is what I would like to call level one Christianity. This is what it means to be a Christian at the most basic level. And the reason I say that is because you don't have to have a degree in theology. You don't have to understand the full counsel of God's, uh, of God's scripture. You don't have to have read from Genesis to Revelation to understand this, that when a sinner gets saved, there are some things that should happen. And some of the most basic things that even when someone is comes off of the street or even if someone was addicted to drugs or bound in prostitution or, or pornography or all kind of wickedness or even like the Apostle Paul who was formerly uh, a murderer. That there are some things that when true salvation enters in to the heart of any person that these are three things that should be immediately changed. And they are RPT. Rejoice, pray, thank They are the things that come naturally as a result of someone being changed, transformed, and forgiven by Jesus Christ. And so this is not, this is not like, you know, level 25 Christian. This is level one. This is turn on a Super Mario Bros. and it's level one dash one. Like everybody should get past this one. 
Okay, are we, are we on the same level today? So level one, let's start with what is rejoice. What does it mean to rejoice? The word in the Greek is kairos. It means to be glad. It means to express joy. It is the root word where we get our English word charisma or charismatic. And so you think of somebody who is has charisma, somebody that you, you know, that you enjoy listening to or who inspires you, someone who has a dynamic personality. Now think about that. Uh, that is what salvation should cause in us, a charisma, a joy, uh, a certain uh, gratitude. And so this is uh, given, these examples in the word of God of this, this word rejoice. Matthew 10, verse 2, this helps us to understand what does it mean to rejoice. Well, this is speaking about the three kings from the east. Matthew 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. That's the same word. With exceedingly great joy. Now think of that situation, right? These guys, these kings from the east who had studied the stars and the scriptures. <coughs> their knowledge and their ability to travel combined. And, and there they see, they look up in the sky and all the fulfillments of their hopes and dreams is staring them in the face. That's pretty exciting. Wow! They were exceeded, had exceedingly great joy. That's rejoice! When's the last time you felt that same level of happiness, joy, exuberance, excitement, charisma about the things of God and what He's doing in your life? Matthew eighteen thirteen. This is Jesus teaching about the uh, about the sheep who's gone astray. He says, if that shepherd should find that lost sheep, I say to you, he rejoices. Same word. He rejoices more over that sheep than over the 99 that did not go astray. So that shepherd, you know, uh, and the, the idea there is that shepherds didn't own the sheep. They were owned by the farmers, but the shepherds were the ones who would take them out on the hills and feed them and watch them and take care of them, and then the end of the day, take them back to their farms. And so if he lost a sheep, man, that's bad news. When you lose a sheep, it's going to come out of your salary. And so, you know, when that shepherd finds the lost sheep and he brings it back on his shoulders and he says, rejoice with me, rejoice, have a party, man, get excited. And so, you know, there's a reason why, you know, churches ought to be charismatic. I'm not saying, you know, that we should swing from chandeliers. You know, we don't have a chandelier, first of all. Uh, We shouldn't be, uh, you know, we shouldn't be causing distractions in the service. However, charisma should define the life of a Christian. Joy, exuberance, happiness. Some people, as Glenn Cluck would say, if you smiled, you'd crack your face open. That's not a good thing. If Christian does not have joy, I wonder. And uh, I'm going to get to this in a minute, but just remember, joy is not something dependent on circumstances. It doesn't matter what you're going through. That this, this rejoice, this exceeding gladness, this, this exceeding joy, when the, the Bible gives this commandment, Rejoice! That should not be something difficult for someone who is truly saved, set free by the blood of Jesus. Like, yeah! I'm on my way to heaven! Like, that's a good thing! Jesus said, rejoice! 
because not that the demons are subject to you, but because simply your name is written in heaven that the Father thought to remember you on the day of judgment. It's the same word that's used in John chapter 20 after the death of Jesus and, you know, the disciples, that was pretty hard to take. And they were pretty depressed and they were in a small room hiding away for fear of the Jews. But it says in John 20 verse 20 that Jesus appeared before them. He spoke to them. The Bible says that he showed them his hands and his side. And then the Bible says that the disciples were glad. That's kind of an understatement, I think. When they saw the Lord, they were glad. That's actually the same word in the Greek. It's re- They rejoiced. They were exuberant. They couldn't believe. Wow! Jesus like, you're alive. That's exciting. That's something worth giving our lives to. And no wonder they all went to the death because of what they saw in the room that day. That joy carried them. And that is the joy that should be shared by every believer. And I have to be, I have to be suspicious about a Christian. Someone who says, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I go to church. Yes, I read the Bible. But who never displays this kind of joy. Who never shows to anyone, even within their own heart, are you excited about what God is doing in your life? You should be. This is a natural and it is a right response to true salvation. And so this is a heart check for us. It's a thermostat. We can check the temperature of our soul. Am I still excited about this thing that God has done? Because if not, maybe you need to experience a little more of God's salvation. It is the natural, pure reaction to anyone that that has had a true and powerful encounter with a risen Savior. The, The old song goes, Amazing grace. Amazing. That's a word filled with joy, with rejoicing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Like I know who I was. I know what he saved me from. And that produces this. Rejoice. So the notorious RPT then continues with the word pray. Pray. Some have said that this action of prayer is the most basic act of the life of faith. Rejoice and pray. It is so important, prayer is, that it is mentioned by Jesus, or it is mentioned that Jesus prayed 29 times in four gospel accounts. That sounds like it's a pretty important part of the believer's life. Matthew 14, verse 23, when he had sent the multitudes away, He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And now when even evening came, he was alone there. In fact, his prayer life was so interesting and so inspiring that his disciples came to him and said, Lord, we don't know how to do this thing that you're doing. Like, we know what it's like to be religious. We know what it means to go to synagogue. We know what it means to read the Torah. We know all of those religious things, but what you are doing, like talking to God, can you teach us how to do that? That's, that's really interesting. And so again, this is not something that we should have to discipline and train ourselves to do, although there is a sense of discipline to it. But prayer is the natural outflow of someone who has 
been saved. In fact, you're not going to be saved without prayer. How did you get saved? You prayed. God heard a sinner's prayer. And yes, of course, somebody was praying for you before you even had a thought in your brain about God. Somebody along the way prayed for you. There are entire chapters of the Gospel of John which record Jesus' prayers. Record His prayers for Himself, for His disciples, and ultimately for us. I mean, John thought it was very important to record entire chapters of Jesus talking to His Father. And he's like, this is an example of what prayer should be like. I love this verse in Acts chapter 9, verse 11. And it's after the conversion of Saul. And so God is speaking to this guy, Ananias, right? You remember this story? And he, he says to him, I want you to go talk to this guy. And this is, this is a lot of risk involved for Ananias because Saul, man, that guy Saul of Tarsus, he's a dangerous fella. He's like, uh, you know, he's like Tony Guido from down the block. And if you don't, if you don't, uh, you don't watch your step, you'll end up uh, you swimming with the fishes, you know. And because for the Christian believers, Saul had proven himself to be a very dangerous persecutor of the church. And now, the Holy Spirit speaking to this guy, Ananias, I want you to go to him, talk to him, pray for him. And the proof, watch this, the proof that God spoke to Ananias of his salvation was his prayers. Look at this. Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. It's like this is the evidence that this dude is not the same that he used to be. Look at him. He's praying. And it's not that he's standing on the street corner like the Pharisees do and use their big fancy words to display. Jesus said uh, that's all they get as a return anyway is the imp- impress, uh, being impressed by other people. Spurgeon th- spoke about this particular scripture and he said, Behold, he is praying is a surer witness of a man's conversion than behold, he is singing or behold, he has a Bible in his hand. Or behold, he even is saying religious things. All of those things may be admirably done by men that are not saved. But if a man is really praying, then we know for sure that he has passed from death unto life. That this prayer is sure evidence of a spiritual change in someone's life. Prayer is the outcome of that sense of need which arises from the new life. A man would not pray to God if he did not feel that he had urgent need of blessings which only the Lord can bestow. He who prays trusts and therefore reveals the faith which saved. He says prayer is the autograph of the Holy Ghost upon the renewed heart. Do you have that autograph this morning as evidenced by a life of prayer? Excuse me. Lord, help me. RPT, the notorious RPT. Rejoice, pray, and finally, the will of God for us is to thank. To thank. The word in the Greek is interesting. I'd never made this connection before. It is the word eucharisteo. 
which is where we get our English word, Eucharist. Now, unless you're a Roman Catholic, you probably have not heard the term Eucharist. It's a fancy word to describe the communion of what we partake in once a month here in our church, where we drink the, the, uh, the juice, the, the cup of the new covenant, and we eat the bread, which is the body of Christ. And, and this is all wrapped up in the word Eucharist. That word in the Greek is translated here, thank, give thanks. That's what we are doing when we take communion, this incredible sacrament that only the church can do together as we receive the cup and the bread. We are eating the body and we are drinking the blood, right? We are partaking in the suffering of, of Jesus identifying ourselves, this is the picture of giving thanks. Lord, because you did these things for me, I'm willing to do a few things for you. So giving thanks then, thanksgiving this holiday, is not just a nice time. It's a good thing to count our blessings. We should do that. Count our blessings one by one. And... uh, And if we do that, we will have a greater level of gratitude in our hearts. But I want to challenge you that Thanksgiving is more than just about feeling gratitude. It is about doing something the way that Christ did for us. This picture of the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus is he saying, you know, I care about these people. I care about sinners. I care about them enough to do something for them to do something that's going to cost me dearly, that's going to take of my own comfort. It's going to be my broken body and my blood shed on the ground. And because that's what I'm willing to give because I I love them. I want to do something for them. I want to say to you that giving thanks at Thanksgiving is an act of self-sacrifice, that there should be Uh, God, I am grateful to you, therefore I am willing to do something for you, even if it costs me, even if it's uncomfortable. This is the basic level Christianity, step one, right? This is the, the sinner who stands up from the altar should do those three things. Rejoice, wow, pray, oh God, help me. And thank you, Lord, is there something I can do for you? RPT. That this is like step one. This is normal Christianity. And if you don't have those three things active in your life, you better get back down there. Because it didn't work. Try it again. Okay, now let's talk about level two. Ready? That was level one, RPT. Now, this scripture is so interesting because the Apostle Paul doesn't just say that we should should rejoice, pray, and thank, but he gives some modifiers on there which take it to the next level. So, first of all, he says, rejoice always. Can you say always? Okay. We got to talk about this. Paul, you do know that I go through a few things, right? Like, you do know that I've been sick for the last two weeks. 
Like I got sick when I was in Missouri, then I felt better, went to Niagara Falls, then I came back and got sick again. Sicker, yeah. Like, am I supposed to rejoice then? Like when I can't sleep at night because I'm coughing so much? Because that wasn't very fun. Or even worse, you know, when somebody that you care about, somebody that you love is so sick and you can't, you can't help them. They just have to go through it. Like then... Should I be rejoicing about that? So when he says rejoice, yes, that's the commandment. Rejoice. But rejoice always. Now that's what takes it to level two. When you can figure out that rejoicing is not just the response of what Christ has done in your life. But it is, in fact, a position of heart that I don't care what's happening in my life. I still have reason to be joyful. That even when I get a flat tire on the freeway, that even when I'm experiencing persecution on the job for my faith, that even when I'm not feeling the best, even when I'm having a fight with my wife or my husband, even when there is conflict in the family and Thanksgiving dinner is not something I'm looking forward to. Right? Some people put fun into dysfunctional. Even those times, that's part of always. Good days and bad days. It's Jesus on the top of the mountain talking to Moses and Elijah like, wow, that's pretty cool. I'll rejoice then. But what about when he's going to the cross? Sweating great drops of blood. In times of pain and agony. When the kids get sick or go to the hospital. When things aren't great. This is level two. This is mature faith says I can still, I I don't understand everything, but I can still say, Lord, I trust you and I will rejoice. Not just the good times, but also the bad times. Don't you love fair weather fans? Right? The ones who only follow the team when they've got a winning record and people who are true fans of the team even in the bad seasons, even when the coach is an idiot, even when the whole, you know, the whole team is injured, you know, I'm still going to follow. I'm still, I'm still going to, you know, make sure that I'm following the stats and I'm going to, yeah, I know they lost. I know it's a bad season, but I'm a true fan. And even when they lose, I'm going to look for the good things that they did. (laughs) I'm not going to be one of them fair weather fans just looking for the winning season. Man, how many Christians, how many churches are full of fair-weather Christians who will only sing the Christian songs when things are going good? And if that's your experience, that's, that's not it. The second one is pray without ceasing. Whoo! Pray without ceasing. Okay, Paul, does that mean i got to quit my job? i got to, you know, join the monastery and, you know, become the... the, the you know, the monk that's up on the mountaintop and just all of my time in an uh, in, in a, in a action of prayer. That's not what that means. To pray without ceasing simply means that we can constantly find ourselves in a state of communion with God. That wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're involved with, God's a part of it. As I mean, isn't that what it's supposed to be anyway? 
that, God, I need to bring you with me on this day of mine. Let's talk about it together. Let's pray without ceasing. And, and really, I think what that is, is a, it's a response to the break glass in case of emergency type of Christian. You know what I'm saying? Like, the only time that this person would ever pray is when they get in trouble or when they run out of money or when the wife runs away, you know, and says, I'm never coming back. And that, oh, at the time of greatest crisis, oh, then, well, maybe then. Now it's time to pray. And for those people, I'm not surprised how often they are in crisis because God's like, okay, this is the only time you ever talk to me. So I'm just going to let all these things happen to you. Oh, man, that was kind of personal. And so if we would instead pray without ceasing, it means even when I don't feel like it, even when I'm tired or sick, they said amen, even when, (laughs) even when I'm busy and I have a lot of things to do, right? Even when I want to check Instagram. Pray without ceasing. It doesn't mean that there's other things that you can't do. It just means that in the things that you are doing, that God's with you. The Holy Spirit is a part of your experience of life. What do you think about this, Jesus? You need to help me today. You need to speak to that idiot over there driving in the wrong lane. Right? And so when we do that, we'll find ourselves. See, it's not just, Lord, I want to pray when I get in trouble but I want you to be a part of my life. And I ultimately want to be a part of your life, Father. Pray without ceasing. The third one is, again, next level, Christianity. It's give thanks, but it's in everything. Give thanks in everything. And this is where Thanksgiving is not just a holiday that happens on the fourth Thursday of every November every year. It's not a one day a year kind of thing. Give thanks in everything. Now, just watch carefully. It does not say give thanks for everything. So you don't have to give thanks for the Lego that you stepped on in the middle of the night. But you should give thanks in everything. That means when you step on the Lego, that no, you don't have to thank God for the pain that you're feeling, but In the moment, you can still have gratitude that at least it wasn't a sharp blade that cut my feet off, you know? Like it always could have been worse. Thank you, Lord. That I, I, you know, I reached a pain threshold of seven instead of 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you're not thankful in everything, this is a positional statement. Yeah, I know I'm in this moment, but I can still have gratitude in my heart. Let me just say this before we close. If you are not thankful in everything, I'm not saying you have to be weird and, you know, be thankful for the painful things that you're going through, but you can be thankful in them. And if you're not thankful in them, what does that mean? Well, that means you are something the Bible calls unthankful. And that's not a good place to be. Can I share a couple of scriptures with you? Don't get mad at me. All right. This is the Bible. Got a problem, talk to him. Romans 1, verse 21. When, because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, nor were they thankful, 
but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. The Apostle Paul speaking about the unbelieving world and how God's wrath is poured out on them. The, the way that it starts was there. Unthankfulness. Lack of gratitude. See, God's not ambivalent about this. He doesn't put up with ingratitude. Can we be real for a second? God doesn't do that unthankful thing. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. In the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. God says that's what wickedness looks like. So be careful. There's a few young people in the audience here. Be careful because God doesn't suspend his attitude toward the ungrateful just because of how old you are. The Bible says that we should turn away from such people, denying the power of God. He says, turn away from them. Don't talk to them, those unthankful people. God says, I don't talk to them. You shouldn't talk to them either. Whoa. I close with this thought. This is the will of God. Verse 18 of our scripture. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. How many people have I talked to over the years that labor and wonder and pray, God, I just want to know what your will is for my life, man. Could I just, Lord, I just want you to know the next step of my life. What, could, what do you want me to do, God? Would you make it clear for me? This is one of those scriptures that makes it clear. It's not hidden. The will of God is known. It is simple. It is rejoice. It is pray. And it is thank. And it's not just For a moment, it is rejoice always. It is pray without ceasing. It is give thanks in everything. This is the will of God. This is it. And if you're not doing those things, then I have to wonder if you've truly been changed by the Holy Spirit. I know that we struggle from time to time. But I want to to challenge you this morning, especially this week of Thanksgiving, you have an opportunity to up your game. Say, Lord, okay, I know this is your will. I know it's a natural response of my salvation, but also I know that you've called me to have some intentionality about it. I want to intentionally show my gratitude. I want to intentionally pray and intentionally worship and rejoice. This is the will of God. All right, so I'm going to give you some homework, and then we're going to close. Before you leave the building today, so we've got what about 20, 30 people here today. Before you leave the building, take 30 seconds to give thanks to somebody. Okay? Like after we close, we're getting ready to go to the cars. Before you leave the building, say thank you to somebody for something that they've done that you haven't done already before. Thank you, you know, for being who you are and for being part of the church and whatever it is. Let, let, let God speak to you because here's what that's going to do. It's going to do two things. Number one, it's going to put you in the position of giving thanks. That's going to make you feel good. And it's going to put somebody else in the position of being thanked, which also feels good. This is a no-lose situation.
And we can all walk away from this service going, man, I feel good today. So let's try that. Take 30 seconds to express gratitude or give thanks to someone. And let it take 30 seconds, not three seconds. All right, homework number two. Before Turkey Day, right? Everybody is preparing. The grocery stores are experiencing madness. It's like, uh, you know, the zombie apocalypse is upon us and people are wandering up and down the aisles. What do I get? They're preparing to make their green bean casserole and their candied yams. So in your preparation for Turkey Day, can I give you a recommendation for something that you should be doing every day as we approach Thanksgiving? I want to encourage you to write down or put into your notes app on your phone, put a whole paragraph. And when I say paragraph, I mean multiple sentences. Multiple sentences, a paragraph of gratitude to someone specific. And you decide who that is. Someone that you want to express your gratitude toward. And do that each day leading up to Thanksgiving. And your goal is going to be, you know, if you take five or ten minutes to write out a paragraph of gratitude to somebody, then you are either going to go to them or you're going to call them and you're going to read that paragraph. So I, 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 I wanted to share something with you. My pastor, this crazy guy, wanted me to do this. So bear with me. Let me just read this to you. And if you would do that, again, you know what it's going to do? It's going to make you feel so good. And whoever is on the receiving end of that paragraph is also going to say, wow, thank you. I appreciate your appreciation. And so thanks is something that has to be given. So I want you to practice that. I want you to try it. I want you to take some of my new pill. It's called Great Lifex. And if you take that pill every day, For this week, I promise you are going to feel better and you are going to be happier and you're going to be more fulfilled. This is more important than cooking the green bean casserole because you know what? The green bean casserole goes in and comes right back out. Some of us quicker than others. But for those of you, (laughs) but for those of you who will take the great life ix, of gratitude and you will express that to somebody and by the way when you express it don't expect anything in return even if somebody is ungrateful for what you say it's still good for you to take it and i guarantee it will change your life for the better the practice of gratitude will improve you and it will improve those who hear it so i challenge you the will of god this is the will of god rejoice pray, give thanks. Powerful. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, 
uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three. Premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four. Our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.